recently, as recent as the last week or two, voted to allow for atheist pastors to remain as pastors in their churches. They don't have to believe in God to be a pastor in their churches. And Jesus said that this would take place. Paul established that in the last days that this would take place. Thank you. The other thing that I want to draw your attention to, while I was praying last week for you and asking God to, that your faith not fail you, that you not drift from faith. I spoke with a pastor friend of mine, and he was telling me that very, that very, la that very Sunday, last Sunday, a gentleman arrived in his church declaring himself to be Jesus. This is significant because in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, before I return in the last days, many false Christs will rise up and will deceive many. Now this is troubling nonetheless that he came and he said, I am Jesus. But here's what's most troubling. The sister that brought him was one that, pa that the pastor had spoken with previously and that sister was absolutely, her and her family were absolutely convinced that this man was Jesus. Because in Matthew chapter 24, if you would turn there just briefly, this is not my message, this is my proclamation to you. Matthew chapter 24, briefly I want you to see this. There's two verses that I want to, sh to share with you. Verse 5 and verse 24. Let's read verse... Let me show you this. Jesus said, verse 4, and answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And here's what is troubling. It says, and will deceive many. He said when he called that sister and he talked with her, she said, he is. He says, what do you mean? She says, he is who he said he is. He says, he says, honey, there, the scriptures does not declare that, 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 a, that Jesus would come and visit the earth and walk in the earth as a man again. She said, but he is. He told me things. That only someone that could, could be God could have told me from my past. Turn to verse 24. False Christ will rise and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if it's possible, even the very elect. Because he had shown her and said some things to her, to her it was proof that this man was Jesus, and yet Jesus himself said that there would be men like him that would rise up in the last days. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
See, the thing is that we've not understood this in many cases is that the all-out assault on the word has taken up for this very reason, for this very season, man's final end. There's been an all-out assault on the Bible, on the scriptures, in order to diminish its value and then to also reduce its significance in the earth. Because it is here where God reveals how humanity's final hour will unfold. It is here where Jesus says, take heed that no one deceives you. Why is this important? Because if you were in your home and the house was on fire and someone in your home jumped up and ran out and didn't wake you, do you think that would be a tragedy? God has placed upon me the responsibility to wake you up and let you know the time of his return is not long. You can go about life like it's okay because here's what you're thinking, and I know this, and the Holy Spirit is revealing this to me now. You're thinking that if this is true, Pastor Martin, Pastor George D. Martin Jr., if this is true, then why isn't everyone else saying it? Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who will go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who will find it. The reason that everyone's not saying it because not everybody you're subscribing to is on the way. See, our mindset has been, been, been conditioned that if the masses are doing it, then it must be it. If the masses are heading in this direction, it must be the right way. Let me help you understand. Crowd movement moves us. I was downtown and we were walking down the street. It was a major event going on. And there were gunshots that, that rung out. And the crowd began to run in one direction. And I jumped into the crowd and ran with the crowd. The problem was we were running in the direction where the bullets were coming from. And when they shot again, we all shifted and ran the other way. I didn't stop for myself to determine where the, where the noise came from. I just saw the crowd. And yet Jesus taught for us not to follow and chase crowds. 
because he says the way that leads to life, eternal life, is narrow. And he says few will find it. Last thing for you today. Slide down. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes and thorns from figs, from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that bears not good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you shall know them. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we prophesied in your name? Have we cast out demons in your name and done wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I have never known you. There are many people who you follow and you, you, you subscribe to and you FaceTime with and you Facebook with and you're listening to on YouTube that are not born again. But you look at how big of what, what they're doing is. Because you say, surely, if, if that many people are following them, then surely they must be right. Even though what they're saying does not align itself with the scripture, you know in your heart that it doesn't align with the word. The same Bible that they open to then twist the word for their own benefit. Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet. Because the time drawing near but Jesus said Matthew 24 and 12 but he she they them that endure to the end will be saved you must through much tribulation enter in let me pray for you Father, I thank you for the grace you've given me to declare unto your people and to sound the alarm. The reality of this God moment is that you prompted, you sanctioned, you ordained because of your love. You proclaimed the warning that we should take heed and let no one deceive us. The truth of the matter is you sent your son Jesus to bring us the truth that he might save us, that we might be saved by that truth. Holy Father, I know that someone here today may look evil upon me at this moment. But you said for me not to look at their faces, but to declare your truth. 
Father, I've declared it in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We've been talking, we're teaching on <clears throat> sanctify the sacred from the secular. Let's stand as we get into the word. Let's make our declaration today. just had it up just there a moment Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 amen let's, let's declare it I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. The word of God is blessed. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 through 13. Jesus, with the scene that unfolds here, is Jesus has come, he comes in, he's come into the temple triumphantly. He's entered into the temple triumphantly. And as he entered into the temple, he then understood what was happening because as he observed how there was buying and selling going on he made the declaration as he began to put the turn over the tables and to put those out Matthew chapter 21 verse 12 it says then Jesus went into the temple of God and he drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple bring that scripture up for me and he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those dove, who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus comes in and he basically tells them, you have defiled that which is sacred. And we see his anger, we understand his anger is indicative of the fact that he then felt that what they were doing was so severe that Jesus, the mild-mannered Jesus, the Jesus who's calm under pressure, the Jesus who walks into any situation and, and, and everyone is anxious and yet he's the only one. When the, when the disciples ran down and said, Master, do you care that we are getting ready to perish? The ship is getting ready to sink. He says, peace be still. This Jesus loses his cool over the reality that they had defiled and brought the secular into the sacred. They'd mingled the sacred with the secular and it troubled Jesus so much so that he then began to turn the tables over and tell them, you have defiled my father's temple because you've made it a den of thieves. 
I'll go back just briefly to kind of give context because I can't rehearse back everything we said last week, but I want to give you context of what we covered last week because the first thing, if you look at the title, Sanctify the Sacred from the, from the Secular, ultimately sanctify means to set it apart, to separate it from. The word sanctify we defined last year, it's to set up, last week rather, it's, it's to set apart as declared holy or to set apart for a holy purpose to consecrate, which means to take something and make it and declare it sacred or devoted for a specific or particular purpose. We also then looked at the next part of that, then if we're going to say sacred, then what is, what, what is sacred? That which is dedicated or set apart for service or for worship. Something that is devoted exclusively to one service or use. Entitled to reverence, honor, and respect. Something that demands that. And notice the end of the definition says something that is not secular or profane. Profane, as we shared last week, profane is the root word of the word profanity, cursing. So that which is sacred is that which is not profane. Not too long ago, a few weeks, a couple years ago, just here, in, even in our gathering, we had someone uh, who, for whatever reason, had something against my wife and, and, and cursed her standing in the sacred place. Called her a B-I-T-C-H. Because the profanity, the profane being mingled with the sacred, when the, then the sacred no longer remains sacred. Profane, which means that that which is related or devoted to that which is not sacred or not biblical. Now, how in the world, in the place of worship, would someone fix their tongue, fix their lips to, to declare profanity? in the place that has been declared and sanctified as sacred unto the Lord. The secular, then we must define secular. What is the secular? Secular is, it denotes attitudes or activities or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. Because the word tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, we come together, verse 23, we gather and come together that we might encourage love and good works. How in the world does that encourage love or good works? It doesn't, does it? But look, let's go on. It says that no religious spiritual basis of or related to the worldly or the temporal, that which is non-ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical is a big word, so I want to define it for you. It is of a relating to church or specially as established institution suitable for use in a church. But Jesus took it further because in Matthew, when he, when, when he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they responded, Peter responded, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, you are Peter. And upon this rock, upon this truth of what you just declared, I will build my church, my ecclesia. Look in there. There's that small word, ecclesia, which is the root word of ecclesiastic. Ecclesiastical was then thus, he says, that which pertains to the church of Jesus Christ. So we're not to profound, profane the secular 
profane the sacred with the secular. But notice in there it says related to the worldly of the temporal, not ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical is ecclesia, the church. The word ecclesia means the church. Jesus used it in Matthew 16 and 18. He says, upon this rock I'll build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The reality is the ecclesia are the called out ones. When you break that word down, it means the called out, the calling out of. So thus, the ecclesia, the church, are those who are called out of. Called out of what? Called out of the world. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Look what John had to say, because the secular is the worldly. We understand that. He said, love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's something we have to get in our mind, in our spirit. He says, when you love the world, when you're so enamored with the world and all of its things, when you're so in love with the world, he says, the love of the Father, can't, it has no place in you. Because what happens is the world fills us up. Because look at the next verse. He says, all that's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. See, all that stuff fills us up, and God has no place to come in and take residence. Because here's the thing, God is holy and he cannot associate himself with sin and with, with, with unrighteousness. See, many people misinterpret Jesus' moment on the cross when he's hanging there on the cross and he declares and he says to them, as, I mean, as, they're, as they're observing him, he declares, Father, why have you forsaken me? Many people interpret Jesus' statement to mean that he was asking the Father, why did you allow me to suffer on the cross? That's not the case because the Bible says, Paul says that on that cross, Jesus became sin for us. He became sin and God cannot associate himself with sin. So at that moment, he said, the at, at that moment, the father left him because he no longer could be attached to him like he'd been attached to him for all eternity. And Jesus said, Father, I didn't know this was a, how it was going to end. I didn't know I was going to be hanging here by myself because you promised to always be with me. Father said, I cannot be associated with you right now, son. We're going to reunite in a minute, but I got to withdraw myself because I cannot be attached to sin. That's why he said, love not the world, neither the things of the world. But he didn't stop there because he went on. Romans said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the secular is the world. He said, do not be conformed to the what? But be ye transform how by renewing your mind you've got to renew your mind every day that I'm not of the world I'm in the world but I'm not of the world you got to remind yourself daily that's why you have to be careful what you allow into your ear gate that influences your thinking because your your renewing happens in your mind your transformation happens in the mind and, and you allow things to access your mind that change your ideology that you then think I don't need to transform Oh, Jesus. See, the reality is this. He says transformation happens in a renewed mind. But if your mind is filled with garbage and secular and worldly things, you cannot transform because you will conform. How you look, what you say, how you say it, where you go, how you do what you do will be influenced by what you allow into your mind. Because your renewing happens in your mind. But we love the world so much. We love it. We don't want to stand out from them. 
We don't want to walk in a room. I, I was thinking about this yesterday. When you walk in a room, do you ask yourself, where's the Jesus in the room? When you walk in the room or whatever room it is, do you ask yourself, where is the Jesus in this room? And the answer should emphatically be, it's right here because I will let my light shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify my Father. But that doesn't happen if my mind is not renewed. My mind is not renewed because I, the old is being, the, he says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are being passed away. Behold, all things become new. They cannot become new unless my mind is being renewed. If I keep reaching back to the day, when I keep looking back fondly at it, when I tell my story about what I used to be, I don't tell it in shame. I tell it almost like I'm reliving the old days of glory. And wait a minute, some of us, we hadn't let it go anyway, so we're still living it now. There's no old days of glory because today is the same day of yesterday. And yet we're called to be new. I need you to understand, the things I share with you to start out, narrow is the gate. See, because you, you can find somebody who agree with your wrong, you believe that your wrong is right. Oh, wait a minute. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Because here's the thing. Some of us have people in our lives who confess to be preachers. And they do the stuff we do that is not right. So then we feel justified in our wrong because they are, they are preachers and they can do it. Shut my mouth. Because watch this now. In the midst of all of that, Jesus said, yeah, there will be false prophets and false teachers. You know the difference between right and wrong. You know why? Because it's in here. And if you've been here long enough, I know you know right because I've been teaching you right. How dare you allow someone to convince you otherwise? Paul said to the Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, how soon are you then being deceived? You know what's right. It doesn't matter if you know 20 preachers doing it. If their life does not align with the word of God, Jesus says you will know them by their fruit. He said because if, they got, if, they, if it's good in them, the fruit that's produced will be good. But if, if bad is in them, the stuff you see, I got peaches all the time, always making declarations. Uh, uh, you know, the Lord's still working on me. Oh, I love Peter. A lot of us claim this, and I'm, I'm going to help you with today. I'm going to get you free. A lot of people claim that they love Peter. You know why? Because of Peter in the garden, uh, in, in the outer courts, while Jesus was on trial, when he cussed the people out. They said, see, I still got a little Peter in me. Let me help you something. You talking about Peter before the Holy Ghost or after the Holy Ghost? Because, see, if you still got the Peter before Holy Ghost, then you ain't saved. Oh, Jesus. I feel like I can run a little while. Why? Because here's the truth. Peter before Pentecost cussed people out. Peter after Pentecost preached the gospel and the good news. 
So which Peter you, you got? Which one you liking? Because see, if you liking the one that's cussing folks out, you got the wrong Peter. Because when Peter came into the newness of Christ, Oh, man, this message is supposed to be two weeks. Come on, y'all. Come on, get it. Listen. Jesus walked into the, the, the temple. He saw them defiling. He says, listen, this can't be. He said, listen, yo, you, this is supposed to be a place of prayer, sacred place, a place that is set apart. But you have defiled it because you have then turned it into a den. Notice he said a den. A den is a low place. Grimy place. A den of thieves is a place that you feel this is the low of the low. He said, but the place that's supposed to be sacred, my house, you've made it secular. In the world that's stealing and cheating and robbing and lying, that should not be here in the house. I feel the resistance in the spirit. Holy Ghost, I feel it. You, but you are more powerful. Light has authority over darkness. Light always has authority over darkness. You can't conjure enough evil in this place to stop what's happening right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the power and the grace to do this. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, oh God. Because you, you are trying to get truth to your people. Father, I cancel any assignment that the enemy has set forth to try to rob your people, these people, this group, this congregation, those that are watching by, by, by internet, every person who is tuned in today, who is set up right now, who is listening here, you have declared it, you purposed it, you appointed it for them to hear this today. In the name of Jesus. So we have to learn to sanctify the sacred. Set the sacred apart. Separate it from that which is secular. So sanctify, first we talked about last week, you got to first sanctify the Lord God in your heart. I shared that with you, that, 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 that there's a growing population, another growing population. I don't know if you did this or not, but if you just go into your, your Google and Google atheist pastors, you'll find out there's many cases. And the organization Freedom From Religion says that there are more who are undercover who will not declare because they believe that their churches will put them out, but they're atheists in their heart. Here's the thing. The reason why you have to sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart because ultimately when things happen, many people, they, they, they reject who Jesus is because of what's happened in their life. Now, the problem with that is truth is never subjective. See, the truth cannot be subjective because it must always be truth for everyone. See, if truth is only truth according to how you feel about truth, then, then it becomes subjective, and then therefore you can never have real truth because it's always subjective. Now watch this. With 7 billion people on the planet, if truth is subjective, that means there would be no truth because all 7 billion has a different ideology of what truth might be. That's why truth must be truth. You must first sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart. So we talked about this last week. Well, Peter says that sanctify the Lord God in your heart, always being ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. 
See, the thing about it, until we sanctify the Lord Jesus in our heart, when people question us about who, who he is, then we won't be convinced ourselves. The other thing you can do to help you to understand it, let you know that I'm telling you the truth, go to YouTube and Google and, and, and then actually do a search, atheist pastor. And you'll find dozens of videos come up of those who are declaring, I no longer believe in Jesus. I, don't know, I no longer believe the Bible when it says that there is a hell. You need to understand this. Anyone that declares that there is no hell essentially is declaring that there is no true Jesus. Because here's what you understand. Jesus came to die for the sins of the world to save them from hell. If you determine there is no hell, then what did, why did Jesus die? He died a tragic death. See, then the conclusion is he died a tragic death. He's a good man who did a lot of good, but, but he was misunderstood in the community, and the mob killed him. No. Because if that was the case, when they tried to throw him, the mob tried to throw him off the cliff, he would just let him throw him. He says, no. Paul says, he became obedient unto death, even specifically the death of the cross. Because on the cross, he was taking the sins of the world. He says, sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart. That you might have an answer. See, if you don't, if you don't know why you love Jesus, how do you expect for me to know? And I'm not talking about you going, rambling off a few cliches. Oh, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Or something like, uh, I'm being blessed by the best. What does that even mean to somebody who does not know truth? That's your testimony? I'm being blessed by the best. The best of what? Because the man who worships Satan, he might say, I'm being blessed by the best too. So we have to sanctify the Lord Jesus in our heart. But here's the next thing. Number two, if, you, if you're taking notes, here, here we go. We're picking up from last week. Number two, you have to sanctify the word of God as sacred. So you have to know that the Bible is the word of God. Because, see, someone with, with more learning than you will come in and try to help break down for you how the Bible is errant and it has errors and therefore it is man, a man-made concoction to only keep impressing people down. And yet God's word is a gift to mankind. Let's, let's establish the word. Uh, turn to Proverbs 30. You got to sanctify the word of God in your heart. So you have to know that the word of God is true. And you may not understand everything in the scriptures, but those things that God has revealed and made, made known to you, you better hold it in your heart, dear. Because anymore... As truth is being seen as relatives, it, it, then you have people making declarations, I, I'm going to live my truth. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you need to live the truth because the truth is what sets you free. So you can't be free until you have truth, the truth, not your truth, because your truth is not really truth because it belongs to you. Oh, you missed it, didn't it? See, your truth is not really truth because it's, it belongs to you. And truth has no owner because truth is freedom. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? God's word is his revelation to mankind. Okay, I know you're trying to break me down. He said, yeah, but see, what about all the other holy scriptures that are out there, like the Quran and the Kama Surah and, and all these other things? Let me tell you something that's unique about this Bible. All the other great scriptures of history were written by one man or one woman. This, God collaborated with many authors. Wait a minute now because I need, I'm going somewhere. You know how hard, if you've ever led a group of people somewhere, you know it's not easy to get everybody to agree. But God took a collection of men and women and recorded his sacred word over centuries. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. You're in, you're in Proverbs 30? Let's get, let's get in there then. Proverbs 35, look. Every word of God is what? Huh? Oh, say it like you're reading it. Pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. See, God gave us his word, and it caused us to put our trust in him. Look at the next verse. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you found, be found a liar. See, there are those who will take a scripture and try to wind and mingle some new age ideology in there. But God already declared it. He said, my word is what it is. Don't add nothing to it. You got that? Oh, well, your pastor, that's Old Testament. There you go in the Old Testament. Oh, I ain't done. We're just starting. You got to sanctify the word in your heart, right? Second Timothy, for the sake of time, I'm pulling up, but right in your notes. Second Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Look what it says. All scripture, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is systematic teaching. For reproof, that is correction. That is telling someone the road, the path you own is wrong. For, I'm sorry, let me restate that. Reproof is to reprove what you already know. Forgive me, I jumped over, jumped over to, to, to correction. Reproof is to reprove it, to prove it again and again. That the word of God is given that you might keep reproving, proving and proving and proving again and again. And then for correction, that is to help someone understand you're on the wrong way. And watch this, and for instruction in righteousness. How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to, how are we going to be in relationship with you, Jesus? Brother Malcolm, come here for a minute. Stand right there. Now, 
Notice I asked him to come. He came. He's standing as I asked, right? Now that was instruction. I gave him some instructions and he followed those instructions. Now, if I were to ask him to begin walking down this aisle and I say, don't turn from the left or to the right. Now, you're a strong man. Don't be aggressive. Just walk slow. Walk soft, all right? <laughs> Just walk. Brother Carl, when he gets here, I want you to pull him, pull him towards you. Pull him, try to lead him somewhere else. Now, notice this. At this moment, he has a decision. He has a decision to stay with the instructions that I gave him or to be pulled away off the narrow way. He has a decision. Now, here's the thing. The decision lies with him because he has the instruction. And notice this now. It is not the fault of the one pulling because it's the responsibility of the one with the instruction. Thank you, brothers. So as you're being instructed in the word, you got to know something will try to pull you off, but you got to know that the word is sanctified in my heart. I'm not getting off the way because this is a straight and narrow way. He says the word of God, now watch this now. I want you to see this. Don't miss verse 17. He said the word of God has been given that the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible has been given that you might know how to live out your faith in Jesus. To do what he's told you to do. That every man, every woman of God might be complete. That they might have the equipment they need to do what God says. Okay, I'm not done yet. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, look what it says. Whosoever, whoever, therefore, who breaks one of the least of these commandments. Yeah. And watch this now. It's important because and teaches men so. See, there are those who break the commandments and then they teach others. See, here's the thing. This happened some years ago. We were on Brookside Avenue. We had a young man that was a part of a church at that time. And he was confessing to be a minister and so forth. And so he was, he was living in sin. And so outside, he was teaching some of the teenagers that the sin he was in was not really sin. He was trying to show them some scriptures. So they came and said, uh, Pastor G, um, is it, I mean, is this? Uh, uh-uh. Because, see, he said, whosoever breaks it and then go teach others to break it shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever does and teaches men them he shall be called great in the kingdom. See, the reality is you may despise me. You may be upset about me teaching this. It may upset you and make you mad. But truth be told, the word says if I'm living right and teaching right, God honors what I'm doing. So you must understand when people come against you for doing what's right, don't let that bother you. Because it says if you live right and you teach others to live right, God going to say you'll be honored in the kingdom. See, that's why you cannot be conformed to the world because then you'll be, you'll be co-signing on what people are doing. 
And we, are, we understand that this has happened far too often. We've co-signed on people's wrong, and you knew they were wrong. You knew they were wrong, and you co-signed on it. Let me help you understand something. Co-signing is just like signing. The Lord just gave me this. If you go in tomorrow with your brother to help him get a car, and they say he needs a co-signer, you sign on the line. Because you think, no, it ain't my car, it's his car. He's going to be driving it, he got to get the insurance, he got to pay for it. If he don't make the payment, they come after you. And watch this, they can garnish your wages too. Because a co-signer is just as much responsible as the signer. So watch this, if you know people and you're co-signing their sin, you are in with them as an accessory. Even the law tells you that you are an accessory. If you are in the car riding with the thief, the robber, you go to jail as an accessory to the robbery. You know why they say it? They ask you one question. Did you try to stop him? No, I didn't know what was going on. He was just driving. He came running out with all this money and he just took off. But did you try to stop him? I didn't know what to do. I just rolled with him. Accessory. Jesus taught that too. See, this Matthew 5 is his, his sermon on the mount. He says, you break it and then you're going to teach somebody else. He says, you're going to be called least in the kingdom. Man, I'm running out of time. This is good. Y'all listen. I'm almost done. I, I got to get through point two before I stop. Okay? Look at point number two. I mean, I'm still number two. But look, Revelation 22 and 18. Look what it said. Here, this is good. I want you to get this now because this is Revelation. Last book of the Bible, the, the revealed word that God gave to John, the revelator. But look what it says. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophets of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. People that have been adding stuff to scripture. In the final call. God said, I'm going to add the stuff. They've been adding to my word. I got some stuff I'm adding to them. That's why you have to know your word. And that's why you have to have it sanctified in your heart that it is the truth of God. So that no matter what somebody tells you. It says, if any, I'm testifying you. John, listen, the word, the revelation said, listen, I'm testifying to you. He said, I'm giving you, I'm bear witnessing. That if anyone add to this, he said, God said he's going to add to them plagues. Not just some, not just a plague, plagues with an S, plural. That's why you have to be careful to not, not, not be misquoting the word. See, people that throw, throw all kinds of stuff and then added, added stuff that wasn't even. Uh, karma is gotcha. Do you realize karma is not in the scripture? You don't even understand what it is and you're saying it. See, that's just karma. No. You know what karma is? It is the idea in pagan understanding that the whole universe, not God, the judge, 
But the universe is collectively working together to return to you bad because you did bad. And then if you do good, the whole universe is coming together to help good come to you. That ain't the Bible. You know what the Bible says? God says, you shall reap what you sowed. If you sow corruption, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. That's word. So stop your karma. You know, you, you, calm, you text somebody karma this week, didn't you? Karma, that's karma on them. That's pagan on them. Karma is based out of Hinduism. Let me help you understand something. Hinduism, to show you how confused it is, there are 300 million gods in Hinduism. Look it up. 300 million gods. Now watch this, you yoga panthers. Yoga is based out of Hinduism in India. With 300 million gods, you sit there posing to different gods. It's not funny. This is the problem. This stuff is not funny. This is truth. You take it so lightly. The things of God are not sacred in us. This is not funny. There are millions of people. There are churches hosting yoga groups in their church. This is the severity of the time we're in. Churches have yoga groups. Let me show you this. Anybody cannot lead yoga. You have to be trained. You have to treat it sacredly. Now, if it's just stretching, oh, I just do it for stretching. If it's just stretching, I don't remember us praying before we did calisthenics in football. We just went out and started stretching. Because stress doesn't need a prayer. It doesn't need a certain candle going, a certain type of meditational mindset. This is serious, people of God. Because in our, if the church is blind, who's supposed to lead anybody? The Bible says the blind cannot lead the blind. If the church is blind, then who's supposed to help the lost? Pastors or atheists don't even believe the stuff they preach and propagate. They just want to keep the job. We have to understand this is serious, people of God. And you're being taught too well. Because here's what the Bible says. To whom much is given, much is required. You guys have been getting word. Solid word. And you're going to be required for that word you've gotten. You're not going to be able to walk and get away and to do the things that the world is doing when you know the truth. The people who don't know, they, all they know to do is what they're doing. But you know differently because you've been taught differently. I teach you all the time. The Bible says to whom much is given much is required you can walk around and talk about all the people you know who, who are not doing it who go to church just like you go but they're not getting the teaching you're getting they're getting the teaching you're giving 
Let me say this and I'm done. You can close your Bibles. Recently, I, attended, I had to attend a funeral for one of our members. <clears throat> when I'm at the funeral, I, out in the lobby, I, I, I saw a pastor there, though. So naturally, in a funeral setting, they typically will have the pastors to come and sit up in the pulpit. And <clears throat> so I, I knew that I, did, I, would, I, did, I wasn't on the program. I was just there to be supportive, so I was just there, and I... I was going to just sit out in the audience, but I noticed that he didn't want to sit with me. I'm thinking, hey, where are you sitting? He said, well, I'm going to sit over there. He went and sat in the middle of the audience. That was odd to me. I said, that, that's odd. Why would he sit? It's not his relative. He said he was there because of a member. But why did he go sit in the middle of the audience? When I'm here, we can sit together. But then I noticed that he didn't, he didn't go sit by himself. He went sitting next to somebody that wasn't his wife. And this is a brother that can now preach me. Uh, can preach a circle around me because I'm a teacher. I ain't a preacher. So as I was talking recently with a pastor friend, and we were just talking, and he said to me, he says, you know, I mentioned this brother's name, and he said, that, you know, that guy, he, he, he is a mess. And he, started, he told me how this pastor had approached another pastor's wife to hook up with her. And that the son wanted to jump on him because what he did was he asked him about his mother. The pastor had passed. This pastor had passed, and so she was a widow. So he asked the son how mom was doing. The son called mom. He gave, he gave the son his phone to call his mom. And he said, you know, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. Just know that we're praying. He later called her back and requisitioned her. But he's married himself. Why am I saying this to you? I'm not saying it to you for you to, for you to lose faith and the confidence in, in, in true men of God. What I'm trying to help you understand is that you must be cautious and careful. Because the word of God says that in the last days, many, hear this now, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So understand, this is not talking about some little quirky church down, down on the side of the hill where you say, oh, those folks are crazy. No, no, no. Many deceive many. That means a lot of people will be following and I'm not suggesting to you that, that every church is big, this, uh, the pastor's wrong. I'm not telling you that. I'm not saying that by, by no means. Because wherever the people want to hear the truth, they should, they, the, the truth should be a magnet to them. Yeah. 
But what I'm saying to you is that you have to be cautious and careful because if Jesus said, take heed and let no one deceive you, that many false Christs will rise up, the truth of the matter is, and many false prophets will rise up and, and deceive many, Jesus' many is not our many. The biggest gathering that I've ever been in was the, the, the uh, stand in the gap. It was kind of like a million-man march of Christians on, on, on Washington, D.C. I traveled over there. It was called Stand in the Gap. We gathered to pray. And they said it was estimated nearly a million people there, so it was maybe 500, 600,000 men there. Now, that's the largest many. When I think many, that's, the, that's what comes to mind. But when Jesus says many, you've got to understand this. He's talking about ages to ages and the whole planet. And if he said many, there must be a lot. I, I pose this to you because I was talking to a pastor who, who kept, he kept telling me about he had this prophet coming in, he had this prophet coming in. And understand, prophets, uh, when it says false prophet, it's not, it's not speaking of someone who says that they're just of those who say they are a prophet. When you look at the word prophets, it means one who speaks on behalf of God. So that can be a preacher, teacher, evangelist, one who speaks, who, who speaks it, I'm speaking for God. That's what the real essence of the word prophecy is. Speaking on behalf of God. Now, with that said, I was asking him about, he's talk, he talks a lot about different prophets he's got coming in. I said, okay. I said, what do you do? Because Jesus says that there are many false prophets. So what do you do to kind of vet out these prophets and make sure that they're not false prophets? You know what he said to me? He said, I've never thought about if he's never thought about vetting out whether these are good prop these are actual good prophets or not, what kind of deception must his church be under? I don't do this. To, I'm trying to help you understand. I, I'm not against. I love pastors. I love preachers. I love the things of God. I never disrespect anyone. If someone tells me, they say that, hey, I'm a minister, I don't tell them they're not. Because they're not, I don't call, I don't do the calling, so I can't do that. But I do, I do do the observation. I do watch because that's what I'm told to do. And I do watch to make sure that I'm looking for fruit. We get behind closed doors, duh, oh, you know, you see that out there? Yeah, brother, this will be the last time. I, I, I'm going to go going out here into the worship. Went into one situation, and so the pastor hadn't got there yet. They brought me in and put me in the back. I walked in. It was a it was a life size picture of 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 black art. Here's the problem. It wasn't the kind of black art that you know just colors and flags and it was two naked people wrapped around. Now I thought, how How do you sit back here preparing to go out and preach with this on the wall? Like, I said, you know what? It's okay, ma'am. I'm going to sit out here on the front row. You know, it's okay. She said, well, no. Uh, he called here and said, go. I said, no, I'm going to sit right here. Because you have to be watchful. I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for your prayers because they're, they're those who, the enemy wants to send someone in to, to bring down those who are truly righteous. Let me tell you this, this, this happens, and I, and I, and I know it, and, I, and, I, and I'm always cognizant of it. We were down in Mississippi, I went down there to preach. I'm sitting up there waiting for my turn. A lady came in late. There was a spot right here left. 
She came right here, Brother Bogan, and sat, not in this church, we in Mississippi. She came and sat down, and she sat down like this. Now, y'all not, not slow. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, these are knees, okay? She sat down like this. I told Brother Jackie, he'll testify to you. I said, Brother Jackie, get, get them and tell her, get that lady off the front row. They took her out. She, she got mad. They put her in the back. She got mad and went outside. Some of the members didn't know who, what she was talking about, but she's outside on her cell phone fussing at somebody. They didn't move me off the front row. Why did I say that? Because the enemy does not give up on you because you profess Christ. That's why you have to be always watchful not to allow him to seep in and drop things into your spirit that will affect. What she was trying to let me know that if I was available, she was. But I wasn't available. I was there to preach the word of God. So I had to say, no, get off that front row. They went to him and whispered. They didn't embarrass her. They whispered in her ear, told her she needed to move. She got up. She was mad. She went and sat in the back, went outside and fussing and cussing on her phone. We have to know the truth. We have to stand for what's right. We have to look for what's right. Amen? Stand to your feet. Let me say this to you because I want to clear the air. The truth of the matter is because there is so much lie 